Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. Great to be back with Derek Boylan on our focus sessions, helping families with their relationships. Hello, Derek. Hi, David. How are you? It's good to be back. Yes, great to have you back as usual. Um, today, we're talking about community support. Yeah, community is really, really important. I think often when we think about um, family life, we just think about what's happening in the immediate family, but community actually has a lot to offer couples and families. It, uh, it can provide a really important source of support uh, for couple and family life. But also, you know, my research has certainly found that actually just having community in your life does something to the relationship itself and the way that we communicate and the way that we connect, uh, you know, for couples and families. So community can bring a lot of advantages. It's a pretty exciting area. Yeah, exactly. So how can couples and families benefit from the support of a local community? Yeah, I guess, you know, we'd like to think that um, the aim in life is to be totally autonomous and not to have to rely on anybody else uh, to be sort of, you know, free financially and to be able to do things our own way. But uh, but I guess we all rely on other people. We all need other people in our in our lives. And, uh, and no one is really expected to have all the answers to every situation that we're confronted with in life. And that's, I think, especially true of um, you know, couple and family life. You know, families face all sorts of adversity, all sorts of challenges in all sorts of different ways. Every family is is vulnerable. It doesn't take much to go wrong to suddenly realise that they need help. And so uh, it's good to be surrounded by people who care about us, who support us, who can uh, see the journey that we're taking and are willing to sort of reach out. Uh, every family is going to experience major challenges and, uh, and having a supportive community is one of the, the key strengths of resilient families. No, that's exactly right. So if a couple is going through a difficult time, and all couples do at uh, various stages of their lives, uh, perhaps the bereavement of a loved one or something similar, then extra support would certainly help in that situation. Absolutely. I think that's a great example, the loss of a loved one. And uh, and that can sometimes be a, even a child, not necessarily a parent or an elderly relative. And uh, And the grief from losing someone that we love can be incredibly painful, um, really, really difficult. And and, and grief is normal. It's a very normal sort of response. Although when, we, when we're struggling with it, it doesn't feel very normal. It feels really difficult. Yeah. Um, and certainly to get extra help and to have extra support, whether that's professional help and support or from people who care about us, families, uh, makes a huge difference. I mean, one of the things that sort of stood out for me is uh, Karen and I have a very strong sort of supportive faith community. And, uh, and when we had our youngest, as you know, David, we have eight children. And when we had our youngest, uh, our house is pretty uh, chaotic. We're trying to keep everyone else's lives normal and sport and everything else and adjust to, to life with another newborn. And, uh, and we just had this beautiful experience of, um, of our faith community uh, just setting a bit of a roster for the first couple of weeks and they just brought over a meal. Uh, you know, all different families. It wasn't an, too much of a burden on any individual family, but it made a huge difference in our lives and just making yep. that transition to having a new newborn in our home and our family. So, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the tough things of losing someone, but sometimes just life changes, big life changes, changes in home, work, um, you know, or welcoming a new child into the family. You know, these are big transitions and having supportive community uh, makes a huge difference. 
No, that's exactly right. Community support can come from a, a variety of places. You just mentioned uh, your faith community. I was going to say uh, the local parish church or a sports club. Uh, would you encourage people to get involved with their local community, even if they perhaps don't think there's any real reason for it? Yeah, I think they absolutely should get involved with their local community. It can bring lots and lots of benefits, not just to the community, but to them as well. And uh, and families that have strong community around them, they find it in all sorts of ways. You know, um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have a, a strong faith community that Karen and I are a part of, and a parish community. But people find it through sport, uh, through hobbies and interests that they have, through the school communities if their children are at school. Um, I remember one couple of years ago that I uh, interviewed David, and uh, they were uh, a much much older couple. They've been married for. Um, 59 years and uh and i was interviewing them about their marriage and they said to me he said uh she said the wife said derek you need to understand that there are three people in our marriage there's me and there's him and there's politics <laughs> and uh and their whole married life they've been involved in politics and uh in a very active way and you know and politics has been part of their community the, the other people in the parties that they've been a part of and you know, working to try and make a change in community has been something that brought them together and it was also a place where they found a lot of support. You know, these are all, I guess, places where we meet families to journey with. Yeah, and, and you meet new friends. I Tragically, my cousin uh, died of breast cancer back in the 80s, but my auntie and uncle were, you know, very involved with the local Catholic church, as were my parents and my family. And the support they got at the time was invaluable. I mean, just people bringing around um, meals uh, for them because obviously it was a very tragic time uh, and having that extra support was uh, incredible. Oh, it's huge. I think, you know, we'd like to think that we can do it all ourselves, but we just can't, you know, and uh, and it's very humbling, but it's also, um, you know, a meaningful life is not just one in which we do all the loving, but where we allow ourselves to be loved by others too. And, uh, and I think to be seen by people and cared for by people is one of the most meaningful experiences in life. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and seeking out people with shared values and interests, whether it is through the local church or local sports club or, the, you know, whatever, uh, that's obviously very important too. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it certainly can help. And, uh, and having people who share your values. Uh, I think one of the, the big lessons that I realised, just as uh, we have seven sons and as our, you know, our, our older teenage boys were entering into their teen years, certainly one of the things I realised was that that me as their father is actually not enough to meet all of their needs to to grow up to be strong, healthy men that I'd like them to be. That uh, like I'd like to think that I'm I'm enough, but I know that I'm not. You know, I don't have enough yeah. time. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough experience. <laughs> and uh, and the reason that we got sort of more involved in our own faith community was because I really realised that uh, Karen and I both realised that we needed to actually surround our sons with many more healthy. Uh, you know, good, strong men, you know, and uh, and at all different sort of age ranges, you know, they needed young adult men that they could look up to that they sort of thought, you know, this is a young man that I'd like to be. And they needed older men as well, you know, who would bring uh, wisdom into their life and sometimes speak into their life in a way that well, dad just can't do it. You know, I can tell them it a thousand times, but then somebody, you know, church tells them and it's, and it's wisdom. <laughs> you know, they've learned yes. something new. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's finding people who share our values is really going to support the tribe, the values that we're trying to um, raise our own children. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, sometimes, you, you know, a local footballer gets into trouble and uh, people go on and say, oh, well, that person was a role model, but they've let everyone down. Well, 
perhaps perhaps that's being a bit unfair on the the footballer who's done the wrong thing because sometimes they're only young guys in their late teens or early twenties too. But uh, you know, it, values are, are an important part of any society, really. And uh, as you said, as a father, you've only got so much time. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and you know, and for many families, it's um, you know, especially if, if we're struggling in family life. Um, we just don't have the time and the energy resources to always give our children, you know, the attention that we'd like to to give them. You know, despite our best efforts, you know, there's just uh, meals that need to be cooked and mortgages that need to be paid and uh, and chores that need to be done. And and so having a supportive community, um, you know, helps to helps with the raising of our children, but also helps our children to realise what's normal as well. You know, when they see other families, they're kind of like, oh, I mean, that's just like my mum and dad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't sort of, think that, you know, their yeah. mum and dad's too hard and tough on them as much. Yeah, no, that's right. And we can all look back. I, I used to think when I was growing up, my uh, my father was fantastic, or both my parents were, but dad didn't watch a lot of football, and I would have loved it if he'd come and watched me play footy a bit more often. But uh, six kids too, similar situation to uh, you and Karen. And, uh, yeah, there was only so much time in a, in a week or on a Saturday morning when they were taking us all around to our different sports uh, venues. But... Uh, you look back, and I was that was one thing I did with my son that uh, I wanted to watch him play sport every Saturday, and my daughter. I made that an absolute priority. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I, I tried a bit of an experiment at uh, in the just the last Christmas holidays just gone, and I uh, had a bit of time off, and I just decided, David, that any time I had a whole list of things that I wanted to get done, but I just decided any time my children. Uh, asked me for something, I would stop and engage in that. You know, if they asked me, Dad, can you play basketball outside? Or Dad, can you have a look at my painting or whatever it was? I'll just stop and I'll do that. Yeah. And I've got to yeah. say, by the end of Christmas holidays, I didn't achieve anything on my to-do list, but I did have a wonderful time with my kids. And uh, and I think they really appreciated Dad just being available as well. Yeah, uh, and we all know what, yeah, what the most important thing is and being with your kids is the most important thing. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I agree. Oh, well, you get 10 out of 10. You, you'll have to build the cubby house and the shed and other holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there is a bit of pressure in our house to build a fort for the boys and to try and do it before they grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my plan. The clock is ticking, but that's all right. Um, Derek, social capital is defined by the OECD as networks together with shared norms, values and understandings that facilitate cooperation within or among groups. Now, governments agree generally that it plays a strong role in the lives of individuals and families. Perhaps you could explain your understanding of social capital and why you think it's important. Yeah, it's an interesting term, social capital. When we think about the word capital, I think typically we think of financial capital. And uh, and I guess financial capital essentially means that uh, that we have you know financial resources available to support our lives and to um, to build the infrastructure that maintains family life. You know, in terms of a home, a roof over our head, car, food, um, you know, and those sorts of things. However, many years ago, um, sociologists coined the term social capital, and I guess you know it's a realization that human beings are made for relationships. And um, and, we're, and we're made for rich, meaningful relationships. And so I guess social capital is the, the relationship infrastructure that supports, uh, you know, us personally and also in family life, that, you know, so that our needs for support and for meaningful relationships are fulfilled as well. And this is why it's really important for, um, for families to have a strong support network. There was a, a book that, was, um, that came out some years ago by one of the leading relationship um, researchers in the US named Paul Amato. 
and he named the, the book Married Alone. And he called it Married Alone because he really realised in his research, looking at uh, some of the sort of changes in society that were taking place, were that more and more couples were, were getting married and they were together as a couple, but they were actually quite alone, that in previous generations they had much more social capital. You know, there were men's groups and women's groups and there were sports and hobbies that they engaged in and they played at the local sports club and they were involved in their parish or faith community and that all of these different social networks helped to sustain and support their family life and gave them something to, um, you, know, to uh, you know, to talk about and brought happiness and, and joy into their lives, helped them to normalise things and to realise, you know, what, what's sort of normal family life challenges and, and which ones are, need more support and help, and, uh, and that actually this social capital was very, very important. And so it was really right. a part of Paul Amato's um, work to try and work out how do we help couples to not be alone? How do we help uh, families not to be alone, to actually have rich social uh, environments that support them? You know, I think in the past, um, families experienced a sort of a strong um, support from school and, and maybe parish or faith life, but, but that isn't necessarily the case for a lot of families these days. And, uh, and, but we can be intentional and build up that social capital in our lives, um, you know, by you know, in, intentionally engaging in different sort of communities. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And uh, as I said, uh, governments generally uh, put a lot of value on social capital now, but it wasn't something you heard about uh, when I was uh, growing up, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But it's obviously mm. become important, and people are giving it the uh, the, the credence that it deserves. And the credibility. Yeah, yes, yeah, so important. Mm. Yeah. Seeking the assistance of others can give a couple and families comfort, knowing their struggles are part and parcel of everyday life, and they're not alone. Because I mean, everyone goes through different issues at different times. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's a, it's a real challenge. I think, you know, we just don't know what we don't know. And so we can sort of be going along in our marriage or family life and, and, and not actually really know that maybe things could be better or there's alternative ways of doing things or what's necessarily normal. Uh, two things that always, uh, two experiences that I've had that really stand out for me. One was many, many years ago, a, a couple that I saw for counselling and and they were struggling, you know, with uh, young children, early yeah. stages of their relationship. And, and really, as they were sharing their experience, there was nothing there that I thought that is particularly unusual. You know, I thought this is actually pretty normal uh, challenges that a couple would face at this early stages of a relationship with small children. And, um, and what I sort of realised as we were sort of talking is that in her family growing up, her father left when she was very, very young, only about sort of three or four years of age. And, uh, and she'd never known her father, her mum, she'd raised her on her own. And, uh, and it was about halfway through the second session one day, and she just sort of sat straight up and she said to me, she goes, hang on, hang on, is this normal? Is what we're going through normal? And then yeah. she just said these beautiful words. She said, I, I just realised I've never seen an, a marriage, you know, and uh, and I think for her it was it was lovely to to discover that actually you know the challenges you're going through they don't mean you're on the verge of divorce they don't you know they're actually really healthy normal challenges for couples to face at this stage and there are some practical things that you can do and uh, and it really helped her to sort of know that and I think you know if we don't have other people in in our lives how do we know what's normal and what's not um, yeah. I think about uh, an experience Karen had as well um, but some years ago and. Uh, when, they, when our older boys reach their teenage years and they, you know, they go into themselves a bit and they're moody and 
you know, and uh, and those sorts of things, and uh, yeah. and sort of yeah. feeling a bit challenged by that. You know, she has a really strong, close relationship with our sons, and uh, and it was another um, family that we know, and uh, they also a big family, but uh, but much further along from us. You know, their all their children are now young adults, and uh, and one of the mums just uh, said, you know, she just sort of said, look, you know, don't worry about it. You'll get them back. You know, you'll get yeah. your boys back, and. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, you know, after a couple of years, uh, they came out of their mm, self-centered, moody teenage years and, uh, and they've got yeah. this great relationship with their mum who was able to be more patient with them because she knew that this is actually normal. This is an unusual. This is actually typical teenage boy kind of behavior. And so uh, it's, uh, community can really help and, uh, and help us with the, just the general struggles in life, even if it's just by imparting stories and, and sharing experiences. Yeah, no, exactly. Our teenage boys are... Especially, uh, they do go through a bit of a funny stage. They, they're not the most communicative of uh, people there for a while, but they do come out of it, which is great. <laughs> yes, that's right. I know. Thankfully, <laughs> we got yeah. a lot of them in our house. <laughs> yeah, you have got a few. I only had one, so <laughs> I, I escaped. Um, Derek, how do couples and families go about finding support in their local community? Yeah, look, there are lots and lots of ways, but if you don't have a lot of community around you, it can be a bit difficult and a little bit daunting to know how to do that. Um, I guess that, you know, as we've sort of talked a little bit about, you know, the first thing is maybe to think about the kinds of things that you enjoy, uh, you know, hobbies, interests that you have and seeking out others who share similar interests, um, you know, to yours uh, or those of your children. If you're, you know, children, um, you know, particularly into sport or art or whatever it might be or drama, you know, some of the best relationships that we've developed over the years has been, um, you know, with other families who have been involved in the things that our, our children are doing. And uh, it means taking a little bit of a risk, you know, to get to know people. It's, uh, it's always daunting the first time, um, but to sort of reach out and to say hi and to introduce yourself to people. Um, and school is an excellent place to start. You know, if you have young children who are in school, you know, getting involved in the school community and parents and friends associations uh, and projects that the class is doing, you know, it does demand something of us, um, you know, to be involved in those sorts of things. But I think, you know, what we gain in return in terms of, uh, relationships and friendships that often extend right throughout life it makes a huge difference um you know to our experience our own personal experience of family life right yeah i mean you mentioned hobbies and interests i mean that that's a, a key point really i mean if you uh, go to a local art uh, club but you have no interest in art you're probably doing yourself a disservice yes that's right you might struggle a little bit yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. But just if there's things that you really enjoy, just finding out, you know, uh, what's the local, almost, you know, any interest or, or hobby or sport has a local group that are interested in that. And, uh, and just taking the risk of sort of ringing up and saying, oh, look, I'm just wondering about how I could be involved. Yeah. Uh, Derek, some people can be a little shy and that first step can be difficult. Any tips on what parents can do if they're looking around for community support for themselves or, say, for their children? Yeah, as I said, it can be really daunting trying to break into a new group. Um, you know, the, I guess we've all had the experience of feeling on the outside, uh, maybe growing up when we were in school and other places. Um, but uh, but I'd really encourage you know anyone who's listening to take a risk. Don't be afraid uh, to to have a go at introducing yourself to new groups, and don't be afraid to be open about your feelings. You know, if you're sort of starting a new group and you don't know anyone, you know, it's actually okay to sort of say, look, I don't. Know, feel a little bit uh, like a bit, you know, shy or nervous or I'm feeling a bit anxious. I don't know anyone um, here. You know, yeah. you'd be surprised how often someone would be more than happy to take you under wing and introduce you to other people and, and help to facilitate those relationships to, to develop. 
it does take a little bit of a risk to to be open about our our feelings, but it can certainly um, help people to understand us and understand where we're um, coming from. And uh, and I would also encourage people to sort of persevere and accept that sometimes it's an experiment, you know, till you find the right place where you find uh, support. You know, sometimes you'll join some groups and you'll certainly when I think about our kids, they've um, played all sorts of kinds of sports over the years. They've played t-ball and basketball and soccer and football. And uh, and certainly, you know, um, in some clubs, we've just kind of gone, this is a really great club and we've developed really strong friendships with the other families. And it's uh, and it's been great for our family life. And, and others, we've just sort of it just hasn't been our cup of tea. We just haven't sort of clicked necessarily. And mm. to be patient with that, just because something doesn't go exactly uh, the way that you imagine or you would hope, it doesn't mean that the next time it won't. So um, be prepared to take, you know, a few risks and to just experiment till you find the place where you find the support that you need. Yeah, yeah, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I mean, I've got a brother mm. in uh, Adelaide, a single man, but he uh, joined the local Toastmasters club and he's made numerous friends uh, through that network over the last 10 years. Oh, look, I know a few people who've done Toastmasters as well and, and everyone has said the same experience. They grew in their, their confidence in, in public speaking and they met, you know, a great group of people that they, you know, enjoyed spending time with and they learnt new things. Uh, I think that, they, you know, the work that they're doing is fantastic, you know, in terms of helping people and building confidence and giving people great experiences. Um, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, building people's confidence and just getting up and talking in front of people. And that's one of the things that, a lot of people have trouble with uh, public speaking. They still they get this uh, have this incredible fear about standing up and talking to people or lots of people. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know. I guess the other place I, th- I think where you can find community support is in your local neighbourhood, people that you live next door to or over across the road. I think for Karen and I, some of our best experiences uh, in terms of finding supportive uh, couples and families. Uh, has been just getting to know the people who live around us and, and not in, a, in an, an awkward way, but, you know, in those moments where we sort of see them across the driveway or you know, actually taking the risk of saying hi and giving them a wave and, um, you know, just going up and saying, look, I, I don't think I've ever introduced myself to you. I'm Derek. And, uh, and just getting to know them a little bit. Um, you know, I remember years ago we lived over the road from uh, an elderly woman and her husband passed away. And I saw her outside, you know, mowing the lawn and Karen sort of gave me the nudge and said, go, go on with the lawn for her. <laughs> you know, yeah. But yeah. it was really fantastic, you know, and, uh, and she just became this beautiful person in the lives of our children, um, you know. And so I think in taking the risk to get to know the people in our local community as well, you know, in terms of our very local neighbourhood can yeah. really help. Yeah. Well, I was just in the local park recently and this, uh, just sitting at a bench and reading uh, a few stories, newspaper stories, and this fellow walked up and just wanted to chat. He lived uh, a few streets away um, by himself, and he, uh, you know, I could have sort of said, "Oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm really got to read this story." But I thought, "No, no, I'll sit and I'll talk to him." And we ended up chatting for an hour. Yeah, I sometimes think God sends those people into our life. You know, He wants us to sort of discover something or learn something, or He knows that we've got something that they might need to to help them in their life. You know, so just uh, being open to those moments, I think, is kind of really important. Yeah, well, it doesn't hurt. I mean, you know, you don't. You, you, I didn't know the fellow, but uh, it was a great experience, and I'm I'm mm. I'm grateful that I decided to talk to him, and uh, I think he was grateful too. So I may never see him again, or I, I might, you know, come summer when the weather's better. But uh, it was just a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And those uh, those moments, it's it's sad. I think sometimes when we just don't uh, remember, just don't think to say hi to people that we pass in the street. Um, you know, it's uh, actually surprisingly easy to introduce a conversation. 
to, yeah. to, to a stranger, you know, if we're, uh, if we're motivated to have a go at that. Yeah. Uh, Derek, what does your own research on the importance of community tell you about how it helps a relationship for couples and families? Yeah, this is an interesting question, David. When um, I may have mentioned to you before that I'm doing some research with the University of Notre Dame, and it's with couples who have been married for very extended periods of time. So at a very minimum, at least 55 years of marriage. And one of the things that, uh, that I've, that's really stood out for me as I've interviewed these couples is, um, is that almost all of them will talk about the importance of community in their lives, um, in the, the place of community and how it was a part of their lives. Uh, so I, one of the couples I mentioned earlier, the couple who sort of said, Derek, you need to understand that there's three people in our relationship and one of them is politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but another couple, um, you know, they talked a lot about sport. You know, they met through playing sport. Sport's been a part of their, their lives, their, their whole entire lives. And, um, you know, they played tennis for the first half of their marriage and then they switched to golf. And, uh, and this couple now, they're, they're both 94 years of age and they still play six holes of golf every week. Oh, and, wow. uh, and she takes her walking frame with an oxygen cylinder inside and, uh, and off they go and, uh, and, they, um, and they play sport together. And so sport has been, and sport community has been a big part of their life over many, many, many years. Uh, other couples have spoken a lot about parish and faith community. Uh, as being something that was really important over their journey. And, and I found myself really reflecting a lot on what is it um, that community, you know, they talk a lot about it. It's an important part of their story, their, their story of their marriage and their family life. Yes. And uh, really trying to reflect on what specifically is it about community that has served this relationship over such a long period of time. And, and I guess two things that really sort of um, sort of stand out for me. One is that uh, it was a source of joy. You know, family life is full of challenges. Um, you know, there's, we've got to work out how to talk about difficult things and there's finances and children's behaviour and mortgages to pay and, you know, kids to educate and all of those sorts of things. But this was um, a part of their life that really brought a lot of joy into their life. And so it was something that was, uh, that sort of came from, in a sense, outside of their, their immediate family life but that it was an injection of, of joy and happiness that they looked forward to, that uh, that... You know, every week they knew there was something. They go and play a game of golf, or they go and catch up with their friends at the local church, or they, you know, plan how they're going to conquer politics, and uh, and that was a source of connection and joy for them. I guess the other thing that really stood out for me is that it gives those couples something to talk about, which isn't just their children's behaviour and the finances and their household chores. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things we know, all the research tells us, is that quality time is very important for healthy couple relationships. But it's um, but I think for many young families, it's very hard actually to have quality time. You know, even if they go on a date or they set time aside in the evening to talk, they do just end up talking about their kids' behaviour and the finances and school grades and household chores and and it's time. But I don't know that you'd describe it as quality time. You know, no, it's time to no. problem solving the challenges of daily life. And um, and so what these couples found in community was actually something that they talked about, that they responded to, and in a way, not as adversaries, but they responded to it as a team. You know, they could sort of sit down on Monday and go, what do do you think about what Bob said at the club, you know, yesterday afternoon? Or what do you think about, you know, this game that we've got coming up on Saturday? Um, You know, what do you think about, you know, what the the local parish wants to do, you know, in terms of reaching out to to people who are, you know, struggling in our community? And, And it was something that they connected over together as a couple 
as opposed to sort of opponents trying to solve the problems of daily life. And sure. so community life, you know, aside from all the ways that community can support a couple, just being in their life, um, it did something to the couple relationship itself, you know, that brought them greater connection and greater happiness and, and joy. So I think, um, you know, community actually operates on a, on a lot of different levels in couple relationships and is really important for healthy families. Okay. So uh, recapping some of the main points listeners can take away from uh, this session. Yeah. So I guess some of the main points are, even though we live in a society that really focuses on our own individual autonomy, you know, community is such an important part of marriage and family life. And, uh, and when we have strong community around us, they, they support us as we go through the different challenges of life. They give us perspective on things and help us to realize what's normal and maybe where we should reach out for help. And they often provide the help that we're looking for and need as well. Um, that there's lots and lots of different ways to find community and, and it's worth seeing it as an experiment and trying out different uh, experiences and see what you discover um, as you go along and, and find the place where you belong. But then also as you engage in community, it does something to your family life as well. It brings joy into your family life. Kids come and talk about the games that they won and that they lost and, and you as a couple talk about those things and it, and it can bring about connection uh, in a relationship, you know, even within the family relationship that maybe can come about no other way. Okay. Derek, um, next focus session, we're looking at 12 facets of intimacy. Now, that's uh, that's uh, got me excited too. It's a bit like love maps. I'm not sure what this is all about. Perhaps you could uh, give us a bit of a hint. Yeah, I guess when we think about intimacy in relationships, uh, you know, I guess typically we kind of think of either physical intimacy or emotional intimacy, but actually there's a phenomenal amount of research on intimacy and the breadth of ways in which couples and families experience intimacy. And, uh, and I think often there are, there are many, many opportunities that just go unexplored and undiscovered by couples and families. And yet if they were to test out those things, they might discover, you know, extremely wonderful new ways of connecting that they never imagined when they first uh, sort of started out on their family life journey. So it's a pretty exciting area. Okay, looking forward to it. Derek, thank you very much. Thank you, David.